Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is Dr. Lawrence Cotlow, a board-certified pediatric dentist and a specialist dedicated to treating children from birth, infants, and toddlers since 1974. His practice specializes in preventative dentistry, newborn and infant care, and the use of lasers for restoring decayed teeth and oral surgery. His work with mother and infants when it comes to breastfeeding and tethered oral tissues, tongue ties or lip ties, is respected worldwide. From his practice based in Albany, New York, he is a recognized international expert and lecturer on the use of lasers in treating children and pediatric dental care. Over the course of his career, Dr. Kotlow has written more than 35 articles and authored chapters on pediatric dentistry and lasers for three laser textbooks. He's also the author of the book, SOS for Tots, Exposing the Myths about Breastfeeding and Healing the Heartbreak to Make Breastfeeding a Joy. You can find out more about Dr. Kotlow at kidsteeth.com. And now let's jump into my interview with Dr. Lawrence Kotlow. All right. Good morning, Dr. Kotlow. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm just going to let all of our listeners know um, you're going to be on uh, with Airway Health Solutions, and we'll put a link to that webinar series in our show notes. Um, so if anybody wants to register and catch that as well, it's, it's going to be, I'm sure, a phenomenal webinar. And um, we're going to do a little bit of both today for anyone listening. Uh, you can also watch this episode on YouTube. We're going to be doing some slides as well as some questions. So with that, if you would like to take it away, sir. All right. Well, again, thank you for the invitation. Uh, trying to condense everything into an hour, which is really a seven-hour lecture, is, is going to be a challenge, but we'll get through it. Uh, right. If you're interested in the entire presentation, uh, on Friday, I think it's February 7th, whatever that first Friday is, uh, we'll be doing the SOS for TOTS course. Uh, you can go to my Facebook page and register for it or send me an email at kidsteeth, K-I-D-D-S-T-E-E-T-H, at AOL.com. So to start with, we've been dealing with pandemics with COVID for the last four or five years, but the reality is the tongue tie is also a pandemic. I have lectured all over the world, the Middle East, Europe, Canada, United States, South America, and it's a problem in every country that I go to. It's not just the United States or Albany, New York. It's a global health emergency, and it's not a fad. Um, we have more women today breastfeeding than ever before, and it crosses all socioeconomic barriers. Uh, we've pretty much shown that formula is not the best source and that breastfeeding not only is important for nourishment, but for a variety of other reasons, which I'll try to touch on. Okay. Uh, medicine is our biggest problem because they really don't understand what we do or why we do it. They think it's a fad. They think it's used to pay for our lasers. Therefore, so many infants are being told there's nothing wrong by lactation people, as well as ENTs, as well as physicians. So when they say it takes a village 
everybody in the village to do something well, you need an educated village. And hopefully today I'll give you as parents some understanding. But if we look at the barriers we deal with, the biggest one is evidence-based medicine. And with children and toddlers and infants, it's almost unethical to have controlled studies because we have enough articles and enough research to show that when we do release the tongue and the lip, it improves in most cases almost immediately as long as the parent follows the directions. And that means they utilize the entire breastfeeding team, which is the lactation person, the chiropractor, the body worker, and older kids, the myofunctional therapy. Um, but if we look at scientific method, what that says is if I do something and you do it and that person does it, and we get similar results, it's no longer anecdotal. And, and that's what we have to fight. The benefits of correcting our tots are restricted to their oral tissues. And what, what I kind of get upset about when people lecture is they talk about tots. Every one of us has a tethered oral tissue. We have cheek phrena, we have tongue phrena, we have lip phrena. We need to be concerned when it becomes a problem and what can it cause? Well, obviously, to start with, when that baby is born and put on mom's chest, the baby crawls up to the breast and tries to latch. Um, maternal bonding is important because if that doesn't occur, mothers can go into postpartum depression. So we wear many hats. Mm -hmm. And this is where the medical community kind of rejects what we do because they're mm -hmm. rather put a mother on drugs than say, are you having nursing problems? So proper mother-child bonding will benefit from good nursing. They don't go into postpartum depression unless there are other extenuating circumstances. Babies prefer home-cooked meals. It has better food in it and manufacturers cannot reproduce the milk because mother's milk is different in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. So if you do pump, make sure that you identify what part of the day that saved milk is so you can give it at the appropriate time. So we want successful breastfeeding. Another big one is air-induced reflux, where physicians are treating, again, with drugs rather than looking at the source. So reflux in an adult is, is, is a disease. Reflux in a child is due to the fact that the restricted tether oral tissues um, are causing the baby to click on the breast and swallow a lot of air. They get distended bellies, they arch their back, and a whole bunch of other problems which we'll talk about. In addition to that, we have obstructive airway disease. So when that baby's tongue is blocking the airway, we're actually reducing the oxygen flow to the brain and long-term effects go into adulthood with cardiac disease, strokes, et cetera. Short-term effects, kids are tearing apart the schools. You know, when I was in school years and years ago, in a practice 52 years, we had kids that were kind of funny kids in the class. We didn't know mm -hmm. anything about uh, sleep apnea and how it could cause problems, ADD, ADHD, or the uh, Asperger's and the other parts of the spectrum. Today, we do. Mother's hormones, okay? When that baby is born, the brain says produce milk. When the baby starts to cry, the mother brings the baby to the breast, and the milk is ejaculated. It's not compressed, okay? But that endocrine system is messed up, and they go into postpartum depression and increase story production. That will 
In effect, studies show reduced milk supply. Speech, growth and development of the jaws, these all are important. So ignoring these restrictive tether oral tissues can last a lifetime. Okay, and you don't want to do this in adulthood. So we wear many hats when we release that tongue and lip and cheek if necessary. So why are we here today? What do we want to know? Well, first of all, we want our infants to grow up healthy with good oral, facial, and physical development. Plus, equally important, we want... It's amazing the, the difference that makes immediately. No, no waiting, it's just right away. It's amazing. So that occurs most of the time after surgery. There are some examples where it can take a week or so. But again, if you process what we're doing and go to the appropriate members of the team, it can be fixed quickly. And she was referring to, just for clarification, the milk flow and the latching or just she the had, latching? She had just re released her child and she put her right on the, the child right on the breast and she had complaint of pain and discomfort. We get her off the nipple onto the areola and it was instant for her. And this is the usual case. Okay. This is an adult. It was just a huge relief when you did it. Okay. And she had brought, I don't do adults, but she brought two ch children in and she was having all sorts of problems. And, and that's a, a slide that can take five minutes for me to go through. Okay. And do you see it a lot in families just to kind of touch on that? It's hereditary. Yes. Okay. At, at least 50, 50, I would say. Okay. For me, there's nothing I'm going to do in dentistry that's going to provide me and my staff more satisfaction than helping families because we help the mother, the baby, and the father in long-term society. Uh, and it's amazing. That's what parents will say every time. So this is an example. And I want you to listen to all the failures of the medical community, the healthcare community, by this parent who sent me this letter after we released it. So listen carefully and pick out. If I was to give you all an exam, I would just put this up there and say, tell me what's wrong with this. I first heard about Dr. Kotlow in October, 2017, when my nearly three-year-old has significant speech delays. I was doing research on how I could help her improve her speech after being dismissed by my pediatrician speech therapist and occupational therapist, that there was not a thing wrong with her. They claimed her speech was delayed because her two older sisters probably did all the talking for her. After learning about Dr. Kotlo and tongue ties, I went to our pediatrician and dentist yeah. and asked them to check her. Both said she was fine. After additional research, I determined she had a posterior tongue tie and made an appointment with Dr. Kotlo to confirm. Sure enough, she had a posterior tie. We had it revised in the office that day. On the way home, my daughter was moving her tongue around and in two days, she was saying words she had never said before and was clearer. Her face looked more relaxed and her disposition changed. Prior to being revised, whenever my daughter had a pediatric appointment, I asked them how I would know if she had an underlying problem and her crankiness was just personality. After she was revised, she was a happier kid, and I think it was frustrating with nobody able to talk and now able to communicate. I visited my family out of town in August, prior to her revision, and again in December, after the revision. I purposely did not tell them anything about the tongue tie to see if they noticed a difference. 
Within two hours of arriving, I started getting comments about how my daughter was totally different kid since she saw them in the summer. They commented how much better she was talking and how much happier and personable she was. I know some of this could have been natural age development, but the night and day difference I saw prior to revision and a week later was confirmed by my family. And we go to the second baby. My second success story is with my now seven-year-old, who was five years old at the time of the revision. She has sleep apnea, which I only figured out when I was doing research on my younger daughter's sleep delay. I kept coming across how tongue ties can cause sleep issues and signs of sleep apnea. The signs fit my five-year-old to a T. Since my daughter was one and a half, I would mention to the pediatrician at her annual checkups about her odd sleeping behavior. I was told it was night terrors. Now learning three and a half years later that this is actually sleep apnea. Seeing the success with the tongue ties revision of my three-year-old had, I scheduled an appointment for my five-year-old. One of the issues which was most embarrassing to my five-year-old was nightly bedwetting. We tried all the tricks to stop her from wetting her bed and nothing worked. Within one week of the revision, my daughter stopped wetting her bed. In the first year, she might have wet her bed only five times. In the second year, one time. She now gets up during the night if she has to go to the bathroom. Her journey with sleep apnea still isn't over. Last year, her tonsils and adenoids were removed. These two successes led us to have our new baby revised. At six weeks, I noticed her exhibiting the same nursing behaviors as her older sisters. Their tongue ties, like the baby, went undiagnosed because their weight gain was good, because I have a strong letdown, so they did nothing, did not have to suck for milk. I am being proactive, and I am thankful that my baby will avoid the speech and sleep apnea issues the older sisters experienced. Thank you, Dr. Kotlow. So you can see all of the missed diagnoses. Here's another one. Thank you a million times for the assessment and treatment of my twin baby's lip and tongue ties this past July. We immediately noticed change in their ability to transfer milk after surgery. I truly believe we'd be still struggling if we had not sought out your expertise. I'm now able to tandem breastfeed, which means I no longer have to pump and bottle feed. They sleep better and are generally happier babies these days. I cannot tell you how much stress has been lifted. The bond we've created through my ability to feed them is profound. You're an integral part of saving this breastfeeding journey. Thank you again. And this is typical of the emails I get and comments I get a week later. Hmm. What does this occur? In, in utero, it's normal. It's a normal process, pre-programmed. We don't know why it doesn't happen. But basically, we're supposed to take on our fingers, our toes, and other areas of the body. These frenum are supposed to resorb and disappear. Apoptosis is a funny word meaning to fall off, like a, a leaf falls off a tree. And a leaf falls off a tree when it's dead. And apoptosis refers to a process of what's called programmed cell death, where the cell is actually, in a funny kind of way, committing suicide. And when this happens, there's a whole scripted choreography of pathways and proteins within a cell that get activated to actually kill the cell and uh, without making too much of a mess. And this happens uh, normally during development, for instance, in the development of the hand, that normally, the to begin with, the hand looks uh, very much like a duck paddle foot, um, and the webs between the fingers 
those cells apoptose, giving you the fingers. And there are uh, human conditions where that ceases to where apoptosis doesn't happen, and people are born with webbed feet. So it's a normal process that may not happen. If you go to my website, kidsteeth.com, again, K-I-D-D-S-T-E-E-T-H, there are all sorts of symptoms or what are really called comorbidities. And you can see on the mother's side, I'm not going to read it to you. You can download it. You can look at it. And on the infant side, so when a parent comes in, they've already filled this out. So before I see that child, I have a good idea that there's some kind of ties going in there because it's rare for anything to cause all of these symptoms in a normal healthy child, okay? And parents are let to suffer because they don't go after the causes. So one of the most important things for you as a parent, download this from my website and bring it to your doctor. If he's intelligent and understands, he will be able to make a decision to refer you, not pick up a pair of scissors and try to take care of it. You can also bring it to your lactation person, who you should have seen before me, but she may not, or she may have sent you to me because she also has the form available. The tongue itself is not a simple muscle. It's complicated, okay? It has five cranial nerves. These are nerves that come from our brain and impact the tongue. It has eight different muscles, four intrinsic and four extrinsic. It's attached to couple of bones and a hyoid bone by itself. And throughout our body, we have body fascia. And that's why the tongue, even though it's coming out of the mouth, is pulling on the spinal cord and can cause TMJ, headaches, back pain, plantar fasciitis, all sorts of things, which in the short time, we don't have time to get into. But the tongue is important as part of the differential diagnosis when you're looking at systemic problems. It's a complex organ. How it affects our body. Now, I'm going to show you this. Again, there's physical effects and there are systemic effects. Development of the hard jaw, hard palate, maxillary arch, mandibular arch, occlusion, our sinuses, the size of the tongue, breathing, orthodontic problems, speech, posture, TMJ, facial development, dysfunctional breathing, SIDS possibly, and toe walk. These are just 15 possible adverse physics. We talk about systemic. It interferes with successful breastfeeding, reduced milk production, postpartum depression, air-induced reflux, enlarged tonsils and adenoids. Let's talk about tonsils and adenoids for a little bit. When my kids were born, they were taken out left and right. Then the physicians and the insurance companies decided it was coming up too often. So they stopped doing them. And all of a sudden, we had kids with ADD, which they never saw before with the number. And they blame it on everything from uh, and injections of uh, vaccines. But really, is it go back to ENT and pediatricians and insurance companies who stopped doing the TNAs? And today, other than infected stuff, most of the TNAs or a great deal of them are done because of airway blockage. Sleep disorder, breathing. I could add another 30 symptoms or comorbidities. Behavior, GI problems, failure to thrive, social and sexual difficulties, dental decay, bedwetting, grinding of teeth, thumb sucking, night fears. So look at, there's over 30 different potential problems if you don't get that tongue released. And before we go off that one, can we go back for a moment? Because there's 
there's a couple that we haven't touched, but one I want to just touch on really quickly um, because we're talking about childhood development and the new section of our website. Why is toe walking on here? Well, I had a couple of chiropractors send me their patients who could never walk on their heels. And if you go back to body fascia again, if, if I had the slide in here, the fascia is attached to the tip of your tongue, to your toes, and to the top of your head. When I release the tongue, it released the stress on that body fascia. And immediately that child walked on her heels. Wow. Now, this is from the chiropractor referring, and he's seen this a couple of times with patients. Is it anecdotal? I don't believe so. But I don't see enough patients to do a whole study on it. Gotcha. So we're talking about ankyloglossia or tongue-tied, lip ties or a tight maxillary frenum, and cheek or buckle ties. So these are the ones primarily that I treat. The mandibular, the lower one, and the mandibular buckles. If I've treated, it's rare in children and toddlers. I will treat it in, in older kids because it can lead to gum disease and periodontal problems. Okay, so that's what all the fuss is about. Family dynamics, okay? We've talked about mother baby bonding. We've talked about mother's exhaustion, but we haven't addressed the fact in this culture today, fathers are involved. So the concept of breastfeeding and being a dyad needs to be changed. It's a triad, especially in this day and age. I don't go along with all of this walk stuff myself, but in this particular area, I see parents come in all the time and I'm treating three people, the baby, the mother, and the father. So we should call it a triad. The window of opportunity here is not weeks to play around with the time because it affects lots of things. And we have different people involved. Starts with the OBGYN or midwife. Then you have your physicians, your pediatric dentists, myofunctional therapists, feeding specialists, okay, body workers, lactation people, speech. We all need to work together. Uh, and again, if I talk in my seven hour, we go deeper into this about the benefits and how it works. Here, I'm just mentioning all the people who are part of the team. And each one of these I could talk to for a half an hour. So obviously, it works. But if any one of these people get involved and tell a parent there's nothing wrong when there is, it breaks down. So under the ideal set of circumstances, we have a set of chain links here, the birth of an infant. Now, this is my philosophy. Those of you, your parents, listen to it carefully because you may find people who couldn't disagree with me. I've done over 40,000 laser surgeries in the last 25 years, and it works. So what happens at the birth of a baby? Okay, you've got the OBGYN and family doctors. They're the first ones who really are going to see that newborn. And you have our midwives. So this is where the chain can be broken if it's ignored. I find the midwives pay much more attention than I find the physicians do. Mm -hmm. So I have a classification of class one, two, three, and four ties. And it's depending upon where this particular attachment to the tongue actually is. So when you have a class one or two, it doesn't appear severe. And I don't like to use the word posterior tie because too many people think it's insignificant. So I use class one or two. 
But remember, the evaluation and diagnosis is not just on appearance. So that baby would see the hospital-based IBCLC if they're allowed to make a judgment. And this is where we have a breakdown because the IBCLC can't make a diagnosis. But when they say there's nothing wrong, in effect, they've made a diagnosis. So what I would like to see is all IBCLCs licensed by the states that they're in and be able to make an assessment, which is a diagnosis, to help these children out. But that goes back to their organization. The midwife does the same. Now, that IBCLC in the hospital may not be able to say anything because of the politics in the hospital. So her job is to say, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. I want you to see an IBCLC and refer outside the hospital, who then can maybe refer to a chiropractor, who then refers to the proper surgeon for evaluation. Now, if you have a class three or class four, that's not going to stretch. It's an old wives' tale. I don't know who started it, but tongue ties and lip ties aren't going to stretch. And unless you cut them, they're not going to tear, unless they're real thin and maybe a fork or something. So these should go directly to the hospital IBCLC and then go to the surgical revision, in which turn I'll send them back to the lactation person, send them to the chiropractor, and they come back to me, and we rotate around, okay? We work as a team. I gotta make, have to make sure the parent does a proper post-surgery care so it doesn't heal back together. But in reality, that doesn't work. There's a breakdown. But we have 90 days of that brain development, which is another whole hour of discussion. But within that first 90 days, if that baby is not getting good oxygenation and they have cellular death of the neurons of the brain, they'll never be replaced. And if it goes on for one or two years, these are the kids who may be ADD, okay, or misdiagnosed down the line. But you can see parents understand that it takes a team of educated people. That's an important key. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Dr. Lawrence Kotlow. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for both parents and medical professionals. In our Parents Portal and Clinicians Corner, you can find educational and informational content, including videos, blogs, our recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, events, parent support, and educational opportunities. Parents are also encouraged to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or a parent that's interested in being a guest on the show? Then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at 
org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now, let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Dr. Lawrence Kotler. Um, and I just would like to ask really fast here, because one thing we hear a lot from parents Go ahead. is um, they're, they're told the tongue tie will resolve itself. Is that ever the case or is that rarely the case? Um, well, I'll give you two answers. I see kids okay. 10, 11, 12, and 18 who were told that and it didn't happen. So no, it's not going to disappear. What may disappear is reflux because once you're off the breast and the bottle, Okay, what happens is it lasts 12 to 18 months of pain and discomfort versus a week of surgery. So the the answer to the question is no. I don't know where that comes from. I've never seen it. And I treat kids from birth all the way up to the uh, ages of 18. And then you see some adults. Okay. Okay, so to start with, when you assess it, these there's some complicated assessments out there which people seem to think are wonderful. Um, to get everybody on the same boat. But in reality, first thing you want to do is you want to look at it. You can tell it's tied. Does every tongue tie have to be released? I would say every class three and four should be released. We should be proactive, okay, and prevent problems. On the other hand, we need to look at function. Can that tongue function? And lastly, the comorbidities. And we take a look at what we saw before and we put them all together and that's how we make a decision. It all starts here, proper evaluation. You can't do it on mom's lap, doesn't work. Okay, I'm looking in the mouth. You as a parent can see what I can see, okay? If you do it the wrong way like this, that's why they can't be diagnosed or assessed properly. You have to have a baby in the right position and you as a parent can do it. You don't need anybody to tell you. If you do it this way, you're going to miss almost 50% of them or more. Because these are the ones that the studies are out there. And that's why they show only 5 or 10% of babies are tongue-tied. Because they don't see what goes on between the insertion and the base of the tongue. So they miss all of the distal ties. So that's the second thing. First you fill out the paperwork, then you do an exam. Okay. Okay. The treatment you wanted to see. Okay, I have a well-trained staff. We always worry about airways. We protect the eyes. My staff's been with me, to be honest with you, for over 40 years. I've been in practice 52 years, and most of my staff's been with me, okay, for over 40 to 45 years. So they're well-trained. They know how to hold the baby. We know how to avoid bleeding and nerves. And if you go to the appropriate person, Okay, we're able to do it. And this is what it should look like when it's released. Okay, so this is us working forehanded dentistry. It's a surgical procedure and we protect the patients. In my office, all babies and mothers and fathers are 
brought in through a separate entrance because in many cases, the baby hasn't been immunized from COVID or RSV and we use UV light. So every baby is separated, isolated, and the parents are too. So there's no chance of communication if that baby comes down with a problem. I had patients this week, they drove in, they had a hotel and they called the morning. They said they have to cancel. The entire family came down with COVID. Anyone who thinks that COVID is going away is delusional because I'm treating everybody as if they have COVID and older patients we treat as if not so much to worry about, but uh, hepatitis and AIDS. So back in the seventies, we were doing this. So this is the procedure using extra oral suction to prevent vaporization of any kind of bacteria or aerosols. You can see it's very quick and easy. I've just done the lip. Now we're gonna do the tongue. And we gown and we glove and we protect our patients as if they were own, our own children. And this the baby's I, awake? Oh yeah, they get no okay. sedation. They get sugar water at the most. The whole thing takes less than a, a half a minute. And oh, uh, wow. okay. we never put a patient, I've not had a sedate patient except for older kids with something called Dramamine for car sickness. I got rid of my nitrous because we can't really sterilize the tubes in the office. So I didn't feel comfortable. And I don't use any drugs or chemicals on the kids. We use sugar water uh, and that pretty much covers it. And if you read the studies, it's a good analgesic and mother's milk, the two that we use. Okay. Okay, reflux, we talked about briefly. I'm just gonna mention it. Okay, it could be just a simple latch and they put them on drugs. That shouldn't happen. It should be part of the differential diagnosis. But this is what, the physicians tell patients, all babies have gases spit up. They put them on a reflux drugs. They put mother on special diets. They go to GI doctors. They put on different drugs. They put allergies, colic and reflux. Okay, they tell them they can't breastfeed. They say it's an allergy to cow's milk. They put them on formula for $97. They put them under general for endoscopy. They put NG tubes and stomach tubes, or they do a procedure. But nobody looks as the tongue as maybe that's the cause. So I would urge every parent who's listening to this, before you allow a doctor to put your kid on drugs and in the OR, make sure that tongue is properly assessed and evaluated because all of these comorbidities may be directly related to that tongue type. That's another important key, 15 different. Okay, so this is just one study out there. Uh, this shows, and this is a in, in Brazil, Unfortunately, he died recently, but in Brazil, it's required every newborn baby have their tongue evaluated. But here again, this study, short lingual frenum may lead to abnormal oral facial growth, development of sleep disordered breathing. And there's lots of them out there. Here's another one. Okay, so there are plenty of studies if you type them in on the internet and look, but when they tell you it's a fad, not anymore, never was, but it's important to understand the risks of watching. And this is the article. Again, you can download it from the internet, a frequent phenotype for pediatric sleep apnea, so short lingual frontal. And I'll have links to all of these in our show notes. Okay. No matter what age we treat TOTS, we need to do a full evaluation. These are the red flags. So this is also on my website. And any child over the age of two has to fill out this form. And it's not a checkoff. If you read the directions, it says, put a zero, a one, a two, or a three. 
Now, I don't really believe that sleep studies are of value in these younger kids because they can't really handle it. But this is better than any sleep study as far as I'm concerned, because it's showing me this child has problems. And we need to look at the tonsils, the adenoids, and the airway, but the tongue has to be part of that differential diagnosis. Because parents and teachers have struggled with these kids when they're in school because they're disruptive, they don't do well in school. And again, I have a whole series of slides just on the airway and brain development. I'm just going to show you one, okay? okay. But this is a this is um, a patient who was referred to me for Invisalign. She was 18, okay, six days post-op, two years. No local, just topical. And this is using carbon dioxide laser with an amine beam and water to cool. All lasers are not created equal. You have to be careful. Some don't have amine beams, which I think is dangerous. If you're just doing soft tissue surgery, you're in direct contact. If you're using this laser, which is a CO2 that has water and air, and Erbium has water and air, but this one has better hemostasis qualities. But machines run from like, 3000 to $150,000. That's so weird. You get that extra Yeah, all the time. Wow, to see her move it like that so quickly after you released it, that's wild. Okay, so tell me, what difference does it feel like? I just like my neck, everything feels so much better. I can finally like lick ice cream. It's just, it's so unreal to be able to like stick my tongue out of my mouth. Before your head hurt though, right? Yeah, really like you had a lot of neck the and worst head headaches, everything. And we just did it two seconds ago. And, and I just, I don't know. I just feel like my posture is better. Everything, nothing with my neck. Okay, you were so tired. You should feel a hundred percent better. I do. Okay, Thanks we're so going to check you back in a week and you're going to get another report. Okay, have you first ice cream cone? Yeah, I did actually right when I left here. It was, it was so weird. Living... Did it taste better? It did. Like, so much better. Like, I, this whole week I've been sleeping just like, like I've never slept that good ever. And I just like, I just feel better. And this is not yeah. anecdotal because everybody says yeah. the same. You think it changes? Yes. Tremendous changes with her, her posture, her, her, her neck. She's, she's up like this instead of like this and her, <clears throat> just like, just, just everything. Years living like that. And just like, can you change in an instant? It's crazy. Yeah. I just wish I would have did it sooner because <laughs> I mean, I've noticed, and this is no, I mean, this has been a life changer for her. It really has. No one ever looked at it or said anything to you? No one ever suggested it? When she, um, when I went to the dentist, my, not even the dentist, my dental hygienist uh, that was cleaning my teeth one day was just like, oh, she's tongue-tied. But that was like only a couple years ago. Yeah, and she said that, well, um, if she hadn't had any speech problems or anything like that, I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. So I we didn't think anything of it. Then I... Then it started getting worse as she got, you know, within those couple of years. And I'm like, this is not, this is not right. What about the medical community? Did you ever complain about the headache or anything or anything like that? I just thought it was, she's like. So this goes on for a long time. I won't keep it going here, but 
bottom line is the question is it's recommended kids see a dentist by age 12 months but the reality is that first 12 months a pediatrician should have a form in their office that i showed you earlier mm -hmm. and if there's evaluation that needs to be done a pediatric dentist should be educated and trained in a pediatrician to evaluate the tongue and refer appropriately so that 12 months is, is a general term. So this talks about brain development. In the first 90 days, look at the difference in that child. The baby's brain is growing by 1% each day right after birth, and it's growing fast. That first 90 days, as I said, if that baby's brain is not getting full oxygenation, those synapses aren't being corrected, and those uh, areas of the brain where the nerves are not getting oxygen, those will die and they can't be replaced. So it's growing by 64% in the first 90 days and 30% of an adult. That's a lot of growth in 90 days. So basically, this is my website and my email. Um, I've tried to keep it for 45 minutes so that we could get everything in here. I think I covered all the questions you asked uh, mm -hmm. to talk about. Um, so I'm open for questions. Let me uh, uh, end share my screen sharing, and we can just talk. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you did. Thank you so much. You covered quite a bit there in 45 minutes. Um, and thank you for letting me ask questions along the way as well. I appreciate That's that. Fun. So I, I guess one of the questions I would have in and I realize it's an opinion question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why are we missing this so much? And and it, I understand there's there's a group that that um, thinks it's a fad or thinks that it's not needed. We we've all read the article in the New York Times a few weeks ago. But why aren't we looking for this in infants? Why isn't this part of their uh, birth exam? Well, first of all, the article in the New York Times was very biased and it represented the yeah. opinion of the ENT and a mother who didn't get a good result and a lactation person whom I understand had some other things that were fishes. Right. I spoke to that woman for over an hour and so did other people. And she'd ignored everything we said. Is that article misrepresentative? Yes, now, we agree with that. If we go back to when my kids were born 45 to 50 years ago, 20% of women in the United States were breastfeeding. Now we have close to 90%. Also, in the 50s and 60s, it was pushed that formula was the best thing for our babies. Then we came into the 60s and 70s with the hippies. They wanted to go everything natural, natural childbirth, breastfeeding. And it became more acceptable for women to nurse and as we progressed further, fathers became involved. So we had a combination of bottle and breastfeeding. But as more women nursed and they were no longer at the lower end of our financial socioeconomical area, they went and complained, there's a problem here. Now in dental school and in medical school, we get nothing other than the tongue is for chewing taste. Everything I presented today, I've learned on my own or with other people 
who are going to be on that webinar and we've mm -hmm. talked to and so many of those have been in my office because I started doing this uh, 50 years ago but not on babies because we didn't have the right materials lasers change it because lasers are not a burn they don't hurt most of what I do in operative dentistry as well as surgery is without numbing anybody because it has an analgesic effect and there are other types of lasers called photobiomodulation which are good for trauma etc so again that's a long story and condensed but we don't get it in our residencies we don't get it in medical or dental residencies i had one residency program i lectured to and they said if you do if i do everything you just explained to me I have to learn how to do everything all over again because it's opposite of what I learned when I was going through four years of dental school. And again, I can expand upon this, but I don't want to keep you on for two or three more hours. The bottom line is there are blindfolders. I went to Stockholm and lectured, and there's 530, I think, seven pediatricians. Not one of them was interested enough to come, and they were all invited. So as I say, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Yeah. Okay, I have this course, which I advertise to pediatricians. I've lectured locally and I can't get them to come. They don't want to hear about it. And if when I did go to them, I won't even get into the fiasco return. It was trying to set me up and telling me that they should be the ones to refer and that the kids are getting infected. And when you listen to the medical community in ENT's le lecture, I've done over 40,000 laser surgeries and never seen one infection. Okay. I see mistakes that other people make because they don't know the anatomy. So with the parents who are listening, I would say, do your homework. Number one, look at the comorbidities and, and insist, go by your gut feeling. Okay. Get a proper evaluation by someone who can assess it and refer you or treat it. This is being treated all over the world and you can find someone who's local or I've had people flying from Europe in the older days when I was the only one doing it. So I hope that answers that question. It absolutely does. And, and I guess I have a personal response to something that you said, first of all, to the, it goes against, you know, we have to relearn everything we learned in school. Well, Come over to the world of technology that happens about every 50 seconds for us right. and then shouldn't we always be continuing learners i mean that's one thing we're huge advocates for here things change you know i i have a biology background things i learned in college quite a few years ago they're discovering weren't true so yeah. it's it's life that's that's the beautiful thing about the human mind and, and the modern world we're learning every day so come on board that bandwagon, folks. That's all I'm going to say. The mind doesn't grow, it does. Can I tell you? Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of every episode, I like to turn the show back over to our, our, our guest for the final thought. You know, one final thought to leave with our parent audience. Well, I think I just did that, but I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk directly to parents. Uh, I want them to open their minds and think that what we're doing is what's best for their baby, for them and the father, because they will work together. Our goal is not to pay for our lasers because mine are all paid for before I pick them up. 
and start using them. My goal is to do three things. One, make that baby's life better, make the breastfeeding experience and growth and development of the child for the family better. And to be honest with you, my staff and I enjoy doing it because we're helping three people. So it's a positive experience for me. And that's why I, I don't or can't retire as long as my eyes and my hands work uh, and my staff is on board, we're going to continue to do what we feel is necessary uh, in spite of the pushback from the New York Times and other medical people out there. But I think parents go by your gut feeling. That's the most important thing I would say. No, I 100% agree with that. And Again, I will put the link to the Airway Health Solutions webinar uh, in our show notes it's for parents and medical professionals both. We invite you all to join. Uh, they are part of um, our collaboration group. So please, please, please register and attend that. And on a personal note, thank you so much for being on and just your open, honest, unfiltered uh, sharing of your knowledge. It's truly appreciated, as is the work you do. So thank you. My pleasure and appreciate you asking me. If I can be of any further help, you know how to reach me. Thank you. Thanks again to today's guest, Dr. Lawrence Kotlow, for sharing his medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. You can also find tons of great content for parents and medical professionals alike via the Parents Portal and Clinicians Corner areas of our website. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contact page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.